speak to you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. So I keep a sign on my office wall, a quote from G.K. Chesterton. He said, I don't deny that there should be priests to remind men that they will one day die. I only say that it is necessary to have another kind of priests called poets, actually to remind men that they are not dead yet. Now, I don't know if I agree with the job description that he describes for priests, but I'm with the poets this morning. And I'm thinking that the poetry, uh, the poet T.S. Eliot has something to say to us to help us unpack this rather strange story that Zach just read to us, the transfiguration, that glorious depiction of that moment on the Mount. If you want one visualization, it's up there in the chapel describing this ex experience that happened uh, is described in the first three Gospels, an important moment in the life of Jesus. You'll see Moses and Elijah are dressed out in ecclesiastical finery. I'm not sure that's what they look like on that mountain, but it's a way of getting at this. So, so I want to turn to T.S. Eliot and uh, quote from his poem, Little Gidding. He writes, we shall not cease from exploration and the end of all our exploring will be to arrive where we started and know the place for the first time. Let me say it again. We shall not cease for exploration and the end of all of our exploring will be to arrive where we started and know the place for the first time. We come, as Zach mentioned, we come to the end of the season of Epiphany, which is a season of exploration about who Jesus is. Every one of the gospel readings in this season tells us something, shows us something, reveals something about who Jesus is. So on this last Sunday of the season, uh, we see Jesus on this mountain. But in the first Sunday of this season, the Sunday after Epiphany, we also see Jesus at, the, at his baptism. In both occasions, both stories, the start of the season, the end of the season, include this voice from heaven at baptism. You are my beloved son. In you I am well pleased. In the story today, the transfiguration, God says, this is Jesus, my beloved. Listen to him. This story on the mountain, Jesus with his closest friends, he's transfigured. It's hard to describe what that looked like. Think Steven Spielberg. The disciples are not sure what to make of all of it. Um, Peter wants to build a visitor center or something up there. In the midst of their confusion, we hear this voice again, speaking of belovedness. And from beginning to end, this season is all about that voice. From start to finish. We see Jesus as the object of God's love, which gives him the strength to move forward in the challenges he faces. So when Jesus is baptized, the next thing that happens after the baptism is he goes into the desert for 40 days of testing without food, uh, tested about power and about worship, um, really put, put under the gun by the, by the devil. And I can't help but imagine that that voice that said, you are beloved, was kind of the thing that kept him going. And as we uh, hear the story of the Mount of Transfiguration, Jesus goes down from the mountain. 
And where he's headed is to Jerusalem. He turns his face towards Jerusalem, toward all that will lie ahead for him in Holy Week. And I can't but help but imagine that that voice affirming him, speaking of his belovedness, was the thing that kept him going, was the thing that allowed him to move forward and to face what he was going to face. The voice of belovedness kept him going. And so what I was thinking this week, how are we doing? Are we popping here a little bit? Is it a pulpit? Okay. You know the old, the old line, the preacher says there's something wrong with the sound system and the congregation says, and also with you. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll work with the sound system. Anyway, his, uh, the question before me that I was thinking about this week when I read this story, where do we hear that voice? What, does, what keeps us going in the wilderness, in the testing, in the trials, in the challenges, in maybe our version of Holy Week? The consistent message that Jesus is the beloved one, I think, may well be a message for each one of us. Some examples of how we might hear that voice. This week, we just concluded our series called Sacred Ground, which through readings and videos prompts conversation about racial divisions in our world. It's based on a commitment to what we call beloved community, a commitment carried forward by our presiding bishop. The notion of beloved community emerged from the work of a Harvard professor, philosophy professor in the early 20th century, and Martin Luther King picked it up. He studied philosophy and took the notion of beloved community, said, we can be this. And he applied it to the civil rights movement. He said, the end is the creation of a beloved community. It is this type of spirit and this type of love that can transform opposers into friends. It's this kind of understanding and goodwill that will transform the deep gloom of the old age into the exuberant gladness of the new age. It is this love which will bring about miracles. They provide for us a voice of God saying to us, you are beloved. Uh, we hear another voice from a, a priest named Henry Nowen, who wrote a book called Life of the Beloved. I know you didn't come here looking for a Lenten homework assignment, but I'm giving it to you. Read Life of the Beloved. It's a, it's a wonderfully succinct book, which is uh, Henry Nowen's attempt to explain the Christian faith to a skeptical journalist friend of his. And he takes as his premise for the book, I love this, that the voice that is heard at Jesus's baptism is a voice that you and I can hear today. It's a voice we all need to hear today. He notes that the world is filled with voices that declare that we are not good enough, not smart enough, not successful enough, all part of a great temptation that he calls the trap of self-rejection. And his response, the theme of his book, is to hear the voice of God telling us over and over and over, you are the beloved. We hear that voice speaking through scripture, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And if you're watching the Super Bowl, which I guess many of you, you, know, you might even see that John 3.16 draped on a banner over one, of the, over one of the balconies. We hear that voice, and this brings us to these adorable young people sitting in these front rows. We hear that voice in our liturgy. 
In today's baptism, we're going to be reminded in a few moments, we're actually each and all going to promise that we will seek and serve Christ in all persons. If we dare to believe, if we dare to believe that Christ is in all persons, in you and in me and in the people who drive us nuts, then we are all the beloved, the objects of that heavenly voice. When in baptism, we say in a moment that the child will be sealed by the Spirit and marked as Christ's own forever. Can you think of a more beautiful vision of belovedness, especially when we baptize adorable and clueless infants? Just unconditional grace breaking through in this liturgy. So I'm wondering how you hear that voice of belovedness in your own life. I'm also wondering what are the things that keep us from hearing that voice? Do we have a hard time hearing it, believing it? Is that voice drowned out by other voices? We heard a little bit of St. Paul's writing to a congregation claiming that the God of this world had blinded the minds of people to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, the image of God. Now, I'm not sure what God St. Paul had in mind, but we can certainly imagine those things in our own world, in our own life, that keep us from hearing the voice of belovedness. Many voices try to drown it out. You're not good enough. You need to work harder. You need to make more money. You need to get better grades. You need to earn the love of your spouse or family or kids or God. You belong to the wrong political party. You've made a mess of things. God is out to get you. Now in wrote that the world tells us these lies all the time. And every time we feel hurt or offended or rejected, we have to dare to say to ourselves, these are Nouwen's words, these feelings, strong as they may be, are not telling me the truth about myself. The truth, even though I may not feel like it, is that I am the chosen child of God, precious in God's eyes, called the beloved from all eternity, and held safe in an everlasting faith. Now the church, on a good day, can convey that message of belovedness. But sometimes, and I bet you might know this, the church itself has made belovedness conditional and transactional. If you do the right thing, if you dress appropriately, if you know the right words, if you participate in the right ministries, if you have the exactly right theology, if you love the right people, you are in. And if not, so sorry. Which brings us to the last Sunday of Epiphany and the impending season of Lent. It's a season which could be seen as all about deprivation with efforts to be more miserable than now. But every year God gives us this season to think about how we can grow spiritually, how we can grow in love of God and neighbor. That involves challenge and opportunity. We think about what we give up. So I want to suggest that maybe what we should give up are those voices that block out a sense of belovedness. However it is we hear those voices. 
How are you hearing those voices in your life? Can you, for God's sake, for Christ's sake, give them up for Lent? And then think about what you might take on. Maybe we take on the work of building beloved community in all our relationships within the walls of this beautiful church, in this city, extending belovedness because we have experienced belovedness. Can we show grace because we've come to know grace? Can we work to hear and then remember the voice speaking of our belovedness, even when it's hard to hear through all the noise? May our starting point be where we end up on this last Sunday of Epiphany with the voice speaking of belovedness. May we be given grace to hear that voice saying to each one of us, you are the beloved. Amen.